Welcome to Top of the Week. I'm Deborah Murray, and I'm here with my co-host, Grace Stevens. Here with us today, we have B. Turner and Michael Crimmins. B. recently reported on the Tornado Support Recovery Group, and Michael recently reported on the bomb threat last week on WKU's campus. Let's hop into our first story. Last December, a tornado left homes and businesses destroyed. Two Bowling Green residents created a support group for those impacted by the tornadoes. News reporter B. Turner spoke to them about starting their support group. So B, what can you tell me that you learned from reporting about the tornado recovery support group? Well, I'm not from Bowling Green, so it was really interesting to get to see like those perspectives and learn a little bit more about what happened here during the tornadoes. Of course, you can read about it all you want on the news, but actually talking to people is different. And one of the things that I definitely learned was how even after there's still people living in like, most people are out of hotels, but there's still people living in like temporary housing, whether that be like staying with a family friend or just not having a home of their own. And a lot of times in the news, once people move out of hotels or like FEMA housing, you stop seeing that they're like not technically housed absolutely so two of the people mentioned in your article janet elliott and tyler heckman what do they hope that people gain from this support group janet elliott could not find a tornado support group but she really thought that either she could benefit from it and that other people could benefit from it so she got in contact with life skills and they were able to get her in contact with tyler heckman to form this support group to help people through their trauma so Kind of with all of the trauma, what would you say some of like the lasting mental effects of this tornado has been and potentially will be? There's definitely like a lot to consider. And one of the main things is the remaining unhoused and how a lot of people, before they can grieve or before they can feel those trauma responses, they have to go through like the practical, like what is the practical? So they're working on getting housing, getting like money. What's my next job going to be if they lost their job? So they really can't start feeling the effects of trauma until the practical is taken care of because your body is like shutting down that part of your brain so that you can get work done. So I think that we're just going to see a lot of like late trauma effects that people don't even realize are affecting them or they don't realize they have trauma because they are just dealing with the practical right now. Absolutely. Thank you for your time, B. Thanks for coming and talking to us. Thank you for having me. Now on to our next story. Last week, a potential explosive device was found near Henry Harden Cherry Hall, according to a WKU campus-wide text alert sent at 10.25 a.m. Wednesday morning. A follow-up alert said the device was believed to be construction-related. Shortly after, classes were suspended, then resumed at 1.50 p.m. Throughout the entire day, alerts were being sent to students and faculty via text. While the university was delivering the all-clear message for Cherry Hall, WKU police notified the public of an anonymous bomb threat made via social media app Yik Yak towards parking structure 2. The threat was later found to be illegitimate. Administrative reporter Michael Crimmins spoke with Jace Lux, WKU spokesperson, and Melissa Bailey, WKU Police Department's public information officer. So, Michael, after a long day of text alerts from WKU PD, what exactly did they find at the construction site? Well, it was actually kind of interesting because uh, in talking with Chase, it sounded like the police department found a fuse, like an industrial fuse uh, that was cut in half and it had wires sticking out. And I believe the report said there was a white substance inside. So out of an abundance of caution, uh, as Lux put it, 
he made the decision to call Chief Walker, and Chief Walker called or texted Melissa Bailey, and she sent out the, the alert from there. So after all of the events that occurred on Wednesday and after them finding the fuse, um, you were able to speak with Melissa Bailey and Jace Lux. How did they feel about the process of interacting with students and getting the word out about the situation at the top of the hill? Well, I actually asked them both at the end how they think the events of Wednesday went, and they both uh, agreed that in their minds it went very well because, as they put it, no one was hurt and they were able to clear the area while they investigated the cause of the potential explosive device. So going forward, is this the same kind of process that they'll do with other emergencies similar on campus? Well, I asked them about the procedure, that if they had a procedure in place for something like this. And both of them kind of agreed that it's on a situation-by-situation basis. Um, like, for instance, on the administrative side, the provost would come down, and he's in charge of, you know, working with uh, Jace and deciding the class schedules and things like that. And Melissa Bailey and the police department's job is going to be, you know, to get the call, evaluate the situation, and see what the next appropriate steps would be. Is there anything else that you'd want to add from either what you've learned during your reporting or anything that like the WKU community would need to know? Um, yeah, just not exactly um, in relation to the story, but I'm really glad that I got to put all this stuff together because especially with breaking news, there's a lot of information trying to get out there very quickly. And um, I'm glad that I got to really make a concrete timeline of things because it was, a, as Jace put it, it was a very chaotic few hours. So I'm glad I got to uh, make, the, make the, the timeline. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today, Michael. Oh, thank you for having me. Once again, thank you to V. Turner and Michael Crimmins for coming on our show today. And thank you all for listening to Top of the Week. I'm Deborah Murray. And I'm Grace Stevens. Catch you next week.